This is the Village Church Q&A podcast, where our goal is to create digital, shareable, and helpful content to make disciples who will go, grow, and overcome. Hey, Village Church. Welcome back to the Village Church Q&A podcast. Pastor Tim with you. Michael is out of the office today, but in the studio is Pastor Craig Jarvis and Alex Culpepper. And we're going to be answering a question here in just a little bit. But before we get to that question, where is Michael at today? And he is on this quest for this today. And, and, and it's, I'm just stuttering because I can't believe, can't believe where it. he's yeah, at. It's incredible. So I area look, 51. Yes. It is just crazy. You know, um, he did that podcast, uh, you guys, you and him did we, that podcast yep. on aliens a couple of weeks ago. And I was just so convinced he is not at all sold that aliens are even a possibility or a real thing. And now he's down in area 51 going after more conspiracy theories, hunting after aliens. That's just, Oh man! Well, I, it, it, it's. I think it's just really become an obsession for him now, and and it, we're anxious to get him back so that we can find yeah. out all the things that he's finding out. But he's he's come so close. The rocks banging together that yeah, we heard about yeah. already, yeah, and he thought he was going to find Bigfoot. So yesterday. close, so close to Bigfoot, and it just eludes him that he's following every conspiracy theory that he can think of. So he went down to Area Fifty One, and um, and the story goes that apparently, uh, once he crossed over that line, all communications cell phone everything stops right. at that point and um and he found some holes in the desert he had actually when he had computer uh, abilities he found that there was these deep holes in the desert right over over the area 51 line he waited until dark he went in there and he was exploring those holes apparently on his computer there were glowing objects at the bottom of these these uh these holes in the desert oh my. and uh he said he, he said he had to go in and find out what those were he had a feeling that they were some sort of alien life um and and of course he did a podcast on this so mm-hmm. he has right. to be sure right that's the last we heard of him but i sure hope he doesn't get picked up by the military oh man yeah all right guys here is our question for today is the earth young or could it be millions of years old? What is in the realm of the Christian thought, the Christian process, biblical theology? Alex, what do you think? So ultimately, the uh, the exact age of the earth cannot be proven. Uh, and this is, this is the difficulty, right? So even modern science textbooks today, they guess at a range that's anywhere from 4 million to 4 billion to 20 billion to like, it's just all over the map, but it's some very large number. And, and usually those dates are based on carbon-14 dating or some kind of carbon dating. Right. Yeah. Carbon dating. And then there's also... Um, um, they look at they look at the stars and determine light speed sure. and 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 those sorts of things. So if we can see stars that are 15 million light years away, then uh, they they guess at age of the universe kind of stuff with that sure. as well. But the big deal here is when we're looking at um, old age dating, it's it is a huge range of possibility. Right. And so then uh, on the flip side, uh, we have we have to look at scripture, and, and and in certain cases we can look at scripture and. And it can appear to portray a very young Earth. Now, when you say young, about how many 
thousands of years. Anywhere probably between six and 10,000 years. Now this kind of depends on a few things. Sure. One of the things that depends on is how you read the genealogies in Genesis. And sure. so if we go to Genesis and we read uh, the genealogies, sometimes in Hebrew genealogies, what they do is they, they list only uh, significant figures in the family all the way down. And so they list a guy every few generations and they don't list every single generation. So if it's listing every single generation, one through 40 or whatever it might be, all the way from Adam down to, to Abraham, then we're probably looking at a time period of about 6,000 years. Okay. But several theologians have looked at this and said, if we look at the genealogies, there's a possibility of up to 30,000 years that man has been on earth. Okay, Pastor Craig. So the thing that irritates me about this is um, theory has turned to fact. Mm. And it is called the theory of evolution for a reason. It's a theory. Even in science realm is a theory of evolution. And so they, they quickly turn that into a fact. How do I know that? Go into any museum. Right. Go into a museum and they portray it to your kids as though they've got, oh, they've got this established science. And yet every scientific fact is a theory that is proven by observation. So basically you're saying that the what is being portrayed in these museums is as if it is fact, but there is no real scientific proof that it is true. Can't be fact because it wasn't observed. Right. And there's so many gaps in this uh, this chain of uh, evolution uh, that they assume they found, they're always looking, that's where the word missing link comes right. from because they can never find that missing link that connects all these different gaps. So here's, here's what I'm saying right from the get-go. When you walk into a museum, you are looking at a theory and that theory is constructed first and foremost on the fact that no God ever created an mm. orderly creation. Right. It's a philosophical proposal. It's, it's a not philo- even a scientific proposal. And if you knife God from the get-go, there's only un- one other direction you can go, and that is with the earth. The earth or the universe had to create what we already know as the earth and the universe. <laughs> something yeah. uh, with with God, uh, something came from not uh, something came from nothing, but God made something come from nothing. In evolution, something came from nothing, but nothing made something so right. so what what we're basically saying if you boil it down to the least common denominator for evolution to be true there has to be an earth that is millions of years old minimally if not billions of years old mm-hmm. and if you if you can prove or if if evolution is true then you basically remove god from the equation now the opposite is also true if the earth is young if the, if there is only a, a few thousands years uh, if not 10,000 years of earth history then god has to be active there has to be a divine creator in romans chapter 1 it clearly says that creation is meant to be one of the defining uh, real things in life that point us to the fact that God exists. Right. It is his gift to us because every person that's born looks at themselves in the mirror. They look at their kids in the mirror. <laughs> you know, they, they look at the creation around them and, and they are faced with, how did I get here? How did all of this begin? And in Romans 1, it says that every person, human being, is without excuse because of the things that have been made. And if we look at the things that are made, that's supposed to be a screaming point to us that there is a God. C.S. Lewis said it doesn't give us the plan of salvation, but it points us to the God of our salvation. Very good. 
So just, uh, Pastor Tim, looking at the possibility of a young earth, if we're looking from like 6,000 to 10,000 years, there's going to be questions that come up. And, and one of those questions, what about the billions of years accepted by most scientists today? Uh, and it's taught in a, a, a majority of academic institutions. So what about cavemen? What about all these different things that scientists say are true? You know, they have these different forms of dating and and all of that. What, what do you have to say to that? If we're going to accept except a, a six to 10,000 year old earth. You, you used the word cavemen and did, did men live in caves? Well, of course they do. Uh, they live in houses too. And they, they live in apartments, <laughs> you know, wherever there was shelter man uh, in the early days. And even today, you know, I've been out hunting and I've found uh, safety and security in a cave. You know, I've stepped in a cave. Does that make me a caveman because I used a cave for shelter? I would say yes. (laughs) (laughs) Uh, My wife would sometimes say I'm a caveman as well. So, you know, the truth of it is, did men live in caves? Yes. Yes, they did live in caves. In the how long did they live in caves? Mm. Right. And did it make them full of hair, knuckle dragger kind of cavemen? Of course not. Of course God created two people at the beginning. We are given this in scripture, Adam and Eve, and from them came the entire human race. Right. That is a truth of scripture and uh, undeniable. And what young earth people would argue, theologians or scientists would argue is when God created the animals and, and Adam and Eve, in the first two chapters of Genesis, he created them with the appearance of age. Hmm. Adam and Eve were not created as infants. They were not created as embryos. They were created as full-grown adults. Why would he not create his whole creation with the appearance of age? So the millions of light years between stars, that is not outside of the realm of what God can do. Exactly. I mean, stars that that are millions of miles away, that light takes a certain amount of time to get to the earth. And so people, you know, they do science backwards. They figure out how many years it would take for that light to get to earth. And then they do the calculations that must be as old as the earth is. And yet they never consider the possibility that God created that light, brought that light to our retinas. Uh, as an as as an indication of his greatness, mm-hmm. not his dependence on creation to thrive, but on his ability to create an earth that already looked old, that already had the ability to sustain itself, that already had the beauty that we see now. Adam and Eve were not, like you said, created as babies. They were fully grown individuals who had the ability at that point to procreate. So they had um, they had this uh, this um, look of oldness. Yeah, a maturity. A maturity, just like everything else around them. And taking this young earth argument from uh, to the next level, People that would hold to the young earth, they would also hold to a literal 24-hour period of time in the Genesis account in days. So the six days of creation would literally be six 24-hour periods as, as they would argue. Pastor Craig? So I like the idea of the 24-hour period simply because um, of the word yom. That is the word for day in Hebrew. And that um, I like that idea. However, people will say, well, the word day in Scripture could mean a long period of time. The day of the Lord isn't one day. It's going to be a long time of hell on earth where the judgment of God will pour out. So there are are days in Scripture that are longer than Mm -hmm. 24-hour days. But in Genesis 1, you have and evening and morning oh, yeah. were the first day. Yeah. So you can't get around that. Even theologians that I deeply respect who believe
believe in the gap theory. That is the idea. Now let's that, talk about that in here in just a minute. Okay. But typically in Hebrew thought, the day begins in the evening and then it goes to morning. Right. And so that's what we see in the Genesis account right. because the wording is, and was the evening and morning the first or second or third day. That's right. So it clearly is talking uh, from a Hebrew perspective of 24 hours. Well, clearly to uh, Us. be careful. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> a lot not, of, all, not all Christians would hold to a literal 24-hour There's period. enough proof there. Okay, so let's talk about that gap theory because if you hold to a creation, you're holding to a biblical account of Genesis, uh, the Genesis story. Now, what creation looks like could be a little bit different. We're going to talk about that in a minute. But if you hold to evolution, as scientific fact, now you've erased the biblical story, the biblical account from from the first part of the Bible. So Therefore, again, you're trying to move God out of the equation. How can you hold, and, and this is my question, how can you hold wholeheartedly that evolution is true and still embrace the truths of Scripture, especially about J Jesus? Right. So we need to define evolution just one bit before we yep. enter into that conversation. Uh, does life evolve? Yes. Life does evolve in God's purview of how it evolves. Um, but when we talk about evolution, that that's when we're talking about getting rid of God so, so that everything continues about, on its own. Yeah, we're talking about the difference between microevolution and macroevolution. Right. There can be change. Yes. And we, we see changes within species. Right. But a fish doesn't turn into a human being. That would be micro. Yeah. All right. A Alex, I want to throw it to you. Let's talk about that gap theory. Explain that for our listeners, how that you can hold to a old earth and yet still hold to biblical uh, theology and and the literacy of scripture as being fact. I think it's just important to recognize that people who believe in an old earth, especially people from a young earth point of view, um, we tend to categorize people who believe in an old earth as all believing in evolution. So Which is you, not true. Right, yeah. Um, there are orthodox Christian positions, interpretations of scripture that recognize that the, the earth could be very old. So one of those possibilities is the gap theory. So between Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2, you know, the earth was void uh, and, and, and formless, and then God spoke and said, let there be light. So, so apparently God created the heavens and the earth, and the earth was form and void. Formless. formless sorry, formless and void. Uh, and then God said, let there be light. So there's this gap between the earth being formless and right. void and God saying, let there be light. Now, uh, with the gap theory, people suggest that there, there could be a whole uh, billions of years between uh, that Genesis 1-1 and Genesis 1-2. And, and throughout Christianity, there have been noted theologians that have embraced that. Absolutely, absolutely, and so that's that's definitely one possibility. There are are also um, people who uh, do tend like intend to interpret the day as being longer yeah. than than twenty four hours, and and use some other arguments to talk about that. And uh, even though we might disagree with their arguments, they're still honoring scripture. They still have a high regard for scripture and and interpreting right. scripture, and and it's the word of God, and and taking it even even literally. The question is, how are they just interpreting that yeah. word day? And, and that would be the day-age theory. Right. That they they would still hold to 
literal six periods of time that God created and used his creative force and work, but they wouldn't be necessarily 24-hour periods. They could be thousands of years or even longer periods of time, but there were literally six time periods that God did his creation. Yeah, yeah. And so the question of where where do we start to move out of orthodoxy, um, that comes when we talk about Genesis as an allegory. Because oh, when yeah, we, then you're in trouble. Right, right. If we start saying that Genesis is an allegory, then we can say other parts of Scripture are an allegory and that, that none of it's true. And so it's, it's really important that Adam and Eve, they were real people. They were, and God created the earth with a specific order. And sure. that, that order is described to us in Genesis 1-1. And so what we have is a literal account of how the earth was made. And we can't, we can't move away from that. And so when we start saying, oh, Genesis is an allegory and that uh, evolution just happened and God just snapped his fingers and then it all just kind of came about, you know, that like we start walking into dangerous territory. Agreed. All right, Pastor Craig, I'm going to throw it to you because there are Christians that they've moved this young earth uh, approach to Genesis 1, 2, and 3, and they've moved it up to what I would call a top shelf theology. In other words, if you do not hold to a young earth creation story, then therefore you cannot be a follower of Jesus, a full follower of Jesus, and you've moved into the realm of heresy. How would you answer that? The gospel is clear. In 1 Corinthians 15, it is the life, perfect life, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ appearing to witnesses afterwards as as proof that he rose from the dead. Mm. He is the son of God. He is the one who covers our sins. We are sinners in need of his salvation. That is the message of the gospel. That's the gospel. The danger is taking something else that we are given as truth in scripture and moving it into the gospel category. So much so that we we even remove fellowship with people of like faith simply because, like you said, you called it a top shelf, Pastor Tim, you called it a top shelf. Uh, we move it into that category. It becomes so much an obsession for us that we begin to even isolate ourselves from people who don't believe it along mm-hmm. with us. Mm-hmm. And to be quite frank with you, um, for anyone who, who studied uh, the church fathers, uh, quite a few of them uh, were just not as in love with this 24-hour theory. Uh, theory, I, I call it a, a theory, but it's I, I hold to it. I believe yeah, in the 20. You, you and I are on that. But I page. am not going to deny. I'm not going to say to somebody that believes in in you know God created it. There's an Adam and Eve, and it's you know. But I believe there's a gap between Genesis one and two. I'm not going to deny them fellowship simply because they believe that. And it's being propagated to the point where, in in some circles, if you don't believe it is a literal Genesis one to to Genesis 15, if you don't believe every literal part of that, which I do, by the way, mm-hmm. and I would say that even those theologians that believe in the gap theory, they would say they believe in it's yep. literal, absolutely. absolutely. Yeah, right. Even, it, even day age would, would say that exactly. they're literal as well, yeah. Uh, but to move it into the category of if you don't believe it exactly the way that I believe it went down, then you are, you are unfortunately creating an idol out of your belief system. Right. And... Um, it's a lot of good theologians uh, have a lot of colorful ways of interpreting these these Genesis one to Genesis fifteen. I happen to believe that I'm right, but I'm not going to deny fellowship with yeah, brothers and sisters because of it. I, I have some very close Christian friends. I had one at uh, a church that I was at previously, to Village Church. This guy was a godly man, and he held wholeheartedly to a theistic uh, creation. Hmm. Um, 
theistic evolution, excuse me. And he was godly. He did not believe in evolution. Mm -hmm. He believed that God created through evolution. God's hand was involved in uh, evolution and his hand was all over it. He was a godly man. I wouldn't break fellowship with him. And I know other Christians that would hold to that too. We need to be careful of what we move to a top shelf because what I call a top shelf is what what are theologies, what are beliefs that I would be willing to die for and what would I be willing to break fellowship over? Yep. Anything that interferes with the gospel, anything that distorts the gospel, that's dangerous ground. Like you said, Alex, those are that's the ground we need to be careful of. Sure. But there's there's we need to understand there's some there's some room to maneuver. Sure where we can give grace to people that don't believe exactly like we do and, and, and understand it doesn't always have to be the same. I mean, how many of us interpret Revelation exactly the same, right? <laughs> right? And yet to break fellowship with somebody because they believe Revelation is, is exactly gonna go down the way that we think it's, I think God's in heaven with all of these maps for how the Revelation <laughs> is gonna happen, chuckling to himself because we've, we've defined these series and then we break fellowship with people that don't agree like right. we do. The gospel is the gospel and it is not dependent on a 24 hour crazy. Now, I, again, I happen to believe that, sure. uh, but it does not depend on that in order f- for me to have fellowship with God or his people. Amen. Listeners, thanks for joining us today. We're going to be taking a little bit of time off, and please join us when we catch back up. We're going to be giving you some uh, previous podcasts for you to listen to and enjoy, and then we'll be joining you again here in a little while. God bless you. Until next time.